Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Lois Kramer. She's a coach to professional speakers and author of the book, Book More Business, Make Money Speaking. She works with professional speakers so they can make money with their speaking and Basically, she helps people. She helps speakers get paid. <laughs> and so, if you're if you're a technical person who's ever thought about being a paid speaker, this is the place to be. So, welcome to Teach the Geek Interviews, Lois. Neil, I'm so excited to be with you. I've been looking forward to this, friend. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it too. And like, I think that the topic is very timely since so many people, in the, at least in the tech industry, are being laid off, and perhaps even there are those that that have jobs and. I've thought about, you know, I'm a pretty good speaker. Maybe I can make some money doing it. So I'm so glad that you're here. So the first thing that I, I would want to ask is, if, let's just say that you are a technical person and you thought, you know, being a being a paid speaker is something I think that I can do. What would you think? What would you say the first step they should they should they should follow, or what what what, what would the first step be? You know, um, I think that if you're thinking about speaking, uh, the first thing you have to do is define your expertise. What area of your expertise do you want to communicate with others? Um, then you have another big question in my mind, Neil. You have to ask yourself, is that expertise, working on that expertise through speaking, is that something that people have historically paid for? So you want to investigate, are there people out there doing what I want to do and getting paid to do it? Um, you know, it's great to have expertise. It's great to have an idea about what you want to speak on. But my the second question we always have to ask ourselves is, is this truly marketable? And it's easier now more than ever to do the research to find that out. Um, you can go to, I'm going to give you a couple of websites you can go to to explore. Um, you can go to nsaspeaker, nsaspeaker.org which is the website of the National Speakers Association. And you can go to the page, find a speaker, and you can search by, um, by topic, by area, by just about anything you want. And then there's also another one that is absolutely great. And it is E, the letter E speakers, eSpeakers.com. And it's kind of an online directory, if you will, of speakers. Now the NSA, find a speaker site, our, our professional speakers who are members of National Speakers Association. eSpeakers has members of all kinds of different organizations. Um, but you can do searches in both and see, you can also use Google. But these are great places to see what people are uh, speaking on that might be similar to what you wanna speak on. It will give you their background. It will give you what they're typically asking for as far as a fee goes. All of this, I think, is good market intelligence, Neil, that we have to do if we want to speak to find out and make sure that we're not going to waste our time and that what we want to do is marketable. 
Yeah, I think I, I firmly agree with you, Lois, especially when it comes to e-speakers. I've actually suggested that to people as well, because they, it it's listed right there how much people, at least how much they say they charge. <laughs> yeah, see, you just said something very important. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I just want to, to highlight this, because remember that people can put whatever they want to as their fees. I can put my fee is $8 million. Now, there might be a few people who might doubt that, actually, Neil. But, um, you know, I would want to say this, too, though. You can see fees. You can see people's backgrounds. You can sometimes, too, even gauge how busy they are by looking at their website. But I want uh, everyone to know that in the professional speaking business right now, everything is a negotiation. Rarely will, will I say, uh, my fee is $8 million and someone will say, well, that's a perfect fit for our budget. Um, it, I, in fact, Neil, I say, if that's what they say to you, put them on hold and go get a lottery ticket. It's your lucky day. Don't waste it <laughs> talking to them. But everything's a negotiation. One of the things I tell my clients is this, though. You can always go down. You can never go up in a negotiation. You have to set a fee schedule. I think that that's one of the most challenging decisions that we make in, in speaking is what should my fee be? And that's why I think this market intelligence work that you and I are talking about is incredibly important because you can never, you don't want to act reticent to talk about money. If somebody asks you your fee, you don't want to say, well, what do you have? A lot of people think that's a good way to do it. It isn't. Have a fee schedule. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't vary from it, but it's at least a starting point in a negotiation. If you have to drop something, add a service, add something, uh, but you have to you have to have a fee schedule. Okay, so if if you're asked what is your fee, the response shouldn't be what's your budget. Exactly, that's exactly right. And you know, I, I will say there is. I occasionally tell people who are brand new to this that uh, that is something that they can ask. Um, and listen, I still have clients who will say, um, somebody asks their fee and they'll say, well, my fee ranges from X amount of dollars to Y amount of dollars, depending upon what you need. And um, then if the person says that is not in my budget or that's way beyond our ability to pay, you can say, what kind of a budget are you working with? I'd love to see if I can make it work. Doesn't mean that we can make it work, but it means that I'm open to discussing ways that I, you might be able to give me some money and add value so we can make this work. Yeah, I think you're right. It actually happened to me maybe a couple of months ago. I, I quoted the fee and I said, whoa, that's way more than we can ever afford. Thank you. <laughs> but then, I, then afterwards, I was a bit. Oh well, how do I perceive this? Do I guess? I guess I can. Well, actually, I can. I can. I can. Uh, I can go down. It's not a problem. <laughs> I just. I'm trying to think. What's a tactful way for me to say that without without sounding let me desperate? Share with, let me share with you a tactful way to say it. This is what I suggest my clients say. If if you're the decision maker and I'm talking to you right now, and I say my fee is uh, eight million dollars, and you say Lois, we have. $4 million. And that's the maximum that we have. This is what I want you to be thinking. Is that money amount 
okay with me. Okay enough that I could say this, Neil, if I could do that, that's the, that's the exact phrase I want you to use. If I could do that, what else of value would you be able to offer me to make this commensurate with what my other clients pay me, the $8 million? So what I'm saying is, if I accepted four, what else of value would you be able to offer me to bring this up value-wise for me so that it makes sense? At any time, especially when I say, if I could do that, I'm not saying I'm going to. So I'm not accepting it. I'm saying we're in a negotiation. This isn't a fit as is. And so you want to have in mind, what are some things of value? Um, and in my book, Make Money Speaking, I've got a whole chapter on that. And things that uh, my clients ask for are, uh, are they going to be videotaping the event? Can I have the master footage so I can use it? Uh, to promote myself in marketing. Maybe I could use it in creating a course, some social media uh, snippets, put something on TikTok or Instagram. Um, I want a testimonial. Can they bring me back uh, next year at my regular fee? And they'd have to, they would have to contract to that, agree to that. Um, so there are a number of things that may be of value uh, for me. Can they buy a book for every member of the audience? Um, so there are a number of things, but but always we want to have that um, we want to have that process before we actually get into a negotiation. Uh, and I remember when I first started uh, speaking to sales teams years ago, um, I used to actually keep a list on my desk, just a, a reminder, kind of a cheat sheet, a reminder of what was value to me, and I would just go down the list and see what they wanted to offer. Um, also ask them if they have any ideas because sometimes they might even have a better idea than we do. Yeah, that, that's a good, that's a great point. All right, so now let's just say you are that person who fancies themselves a speaker and they've come up with a topic, they've done the research and see that, that there's a market for it. How do you go about finding paid engagements? Yeah, I, you know, I always say that it all begins with the speech. So I just want to preface this by saying that your job is to make sure you've got a really compelling speech filled with stories that illustrate the points that you want to make and that you have a, an, a real ability to deliver that. Um, for a lot of people who are just thinking about jumping in, I like Toastmasters. I have to tell you, I highly recommend Toastmasters. I call Toastmasters the off-Broadway of speaking. A lot of professional speakers go there to try out new material, to get uh, feedback on what they're doing. And it's a great place to up-level your uh, presentation skills um, without maybe necessarily having to hire a private coach. That's something you might wanna do later. But I always think that that's a good first step because it gets you through, it, it makes you more confident about your material, more confident in front of people, and it will make you a more confident seller of your speaking services. If you know, I have done this in front of people. I've been well-received. Uh, my stories uh, are, are well-received and seem to make a difference. I think this is incredibly, incredibly important. And, you know, the other thing I would say, Neil, is um, I... 
one of the things I say, and I have said forever, I've been doing this for 25 years, which seems like 85 years when I say it now, Neil, it's actually in many ways feels like 10 minutes, but if you can't sell what you do, you'll never have an opportunity on the platform. So something you've got to be able to do is sell. And if you need help doing that, get it. Because if you can't sell, you're never going to have an opportunity to be heard. <laughs> it's funny you're mentioning this, Lois, because there's this person that I know, and he is very adamant about not selling because it makes him uncomfortable to do. So he's trying. He's a speaker, and he's and he's building his business about around getting referrals from others, and then I, I believe speaker bureaus as well. And he says he's willing to to do whatever he has to do so that he doesn't have to actually do any sort of outreach or prospecting himself. And I just remember thinking. Every time he says this, I think to myself, how sustainable is that? It's not. You know, it, uh, let me share with you. Um, this was probably a year ago. I was working with a professional speaker. Um, this was a second career for him. Um, he uh, had a very high leadership position in a Fortune 50 corporation. He was referred to me. He wanted to speak on leadership and he certainly had the experience to do so. And so we were working together. He bought a, a bundle of hours from me and we're about into our third hour and we're talking on Zoom. And this is what he said to me. He said, I know now Lois that your next plan was to go into sales, but I wanna let you know how I feel about selling. I don't like to sell. And I don't want to sell. So what I'd like is for all of my engagements to come from referrals, people in the audience who have seen me, people who have read something of mine on social media, people who find me on the internet or agents and speaker bureaus, because I just don't want to sell. And my reply was, this is what we're going to do now. We're going to stop working together <laughs> and I'm going to refund all of your money. Wow. <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, we're going to stop working together and I'm going to refund your money. And he said, well, you don't have to refund all my money. I got, I think we had worked two or three hours until this point. And I said, I insist on refunding all of your money because I don't ever want you to say that we work together and I ever gave you an idea that your plan on selling was a good way to go. Because it isn't, it doesn't work, and I can't be connected with that professionally. And we did end, end our working relationship. I refunded him all of his money. It just doesn't work that way. Every speaker in the world, Neil, wants somebody to find engagements for them and I always hear this, look, I'll pay a great commission to anybody who brings me business. And um, I always say, well, of course you would. We all would. The, the reality is for most of us mere mortals who aren't celebrity speakers, there aren't agents and bureaus out there who want to book us. We have to take responsibility for getting the bookings ourselves. I always say never abdicate. But back when I was speaking on sales, I had some bureaus who booked me, gave me bookings, but I never counted on. I always looked at it like mana from heaven whenever they, they would get me an event because I could never count on them being as serious 
about selling my business as I was. Because really, I they just thought of me occasionally. I thought of me all the time. So, um, you know, in my book, um, I say, you know, for people who say, look, I'm not comfortable selling, I don't want to sell. My advice is you might not want to get in this business then. Yeah. I'm, you know, when you think about it, it doesn't even make much sense because when you're when you're relying on people in the audience, you're relying on people finding you on your website or however they find you, you have no control over any of that. But you have all the control over who you reach out to and who you follow up with. I don't I, absolutely I, I don't right. <laughs> I, I don't get it either. You know, I talk about my very sophisticated meal. Neil, you've known me for a number of years, my very sophisticated approach. I call it the yin and the yang. The yin is, what am I putting out in the marketplace to attract people to my area of expertise? So for example, what do I speak about? What do I write about? Uh, do I put out books, articles, blog posts, social media posts, um, that kind of thing? What am I putting out there to attract people to me? Then the yang is, who do I really want to work with and who am I going out and plucking out of the marketplace to work with? So when I worked on sales, I worked in the financial services uh, market because they resonated early on with my speaking. So I would put out everything that I just said in the yin. I would put that out in, in the universe to attract people. But the Yang, I would go out and I looked for specific banks, credit unions, mortgage houses, insurance companies that I wanted to work with that I knew would look good on my resume. Uh, and if I said a Bank of America hired me, I knew Chase would be interested. I knew Citibank may be interested. So it, it involves both. You have to have a plan on both what you're putting out and what you're reaching out, who you're reaching out to. Yeah. The way I've been doing it is, you know, as you may recall, I work with, with organizations on presentation skill. Well, presentation skills for people with technical backgrounds, since I have yes. a technical background myself. So what I've been doing is reaching out to engineering associations, offering to do a, a free one hour webinar with their members with the with the expectation or the well, pretty much the expectation that at, at the end of it, people that attended the webinar would be more willing to learn about what I do. And of course, I, I give them a freebie as well, you know, the, the lead magnet and let them know about the podcast and, and various ways to get in touch with me. But that's the way I've been, I've been going about it. Do you, do you have any other suggestions as to how someone perhaps that's starting out who doesn't have that network of, of referrals can, can go about getting paid engagements? Yes. I, I think that, um, I think that what you make is a good point, you know, as you gain experience and as you work in the industry, we start building up these connections and we start seeing what works quite frankly and what doesn't. As you were starting out, um, back when I spoke on sales, the only professional speaking I do now are to groups of professional speakers. The only people I work with are professional speakers. But back when I spoke on sales, uh, I knew that the most important economic capital for me early in my business were testimonials. From people and organizations saying, that what I had to say made sense, was applicable and meaningful to them. So I live in St. Louis, a suburb of St. Louis. Neil, I've spoken probably uh, in the over the last 20 years, I've probably presented to every chamber of commerce within two, substantial chamber of commerce 
within 200 miles of my home. That was my first thing. If I always say, if you want to speak, you need to get, get the heck out there and speak. So I, I talked to, and I Googled to get the information, uh, every chamber of commerce, I, they will give you 20 or 30 minutes if they're interested in your topic. And um, I asked for an opportunity. I got a free chicken lunch, sometimes good, sometimes not. And I would give 20 to 30 minutes of my stuff. I did that for no money, but I did that asking for a testimonial if they were happy with what I did. And typically they were. And my first client, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> my first client, Neil, was a bank who happened to be at that at one of those lunches. And he called me after the engagement and he said, I'd like you to work with our personal bankers here in St. Louis. They had four banks at the time here. I worked with the personal bankers. Then he said, we have branches in Illinois, the state of butting me. We'd love for you to go over there and talk to them. I did that. It really resonated. So I started looking at other banks that looked like them. Then I started looking at associations connecting, connected with banks. I got an opportunity early on from someone who was in one of those audiences to speak to the Association of Women in Banking for the state of Missouri. They liked my program. So then I had 49 other states to market it to who were looking for people like me. Then I could market it vertically to the National Association of Women in Banking. So that's how you start building interest. And it's why, Neil, I think having a target market is the quickest way to be successful in speaking. Uh, you know, I, I, I always tell the story, Neil, of, um, I'm, for example, I'm speaking tonight to a chapter and a California chapter of National Speakers Association uh, virtually. And inevitably when I do any national meetings, someone will come to me and say, I've got a great program that I know is really marketable. And I'll say, well, where do you think? it would make sense. And they'll say, anyone, Lois, who wants a great program on customer service will love this program. And my reply is, well, let's go call everybody and see if they're interested. <laughs> yeah. And they just look at me. That's the approach if you don't have a target market. And so what happens, and I'm telling you this because I was there early on in my business, we end up doing nothing because we can't call everybody. So target marketing is the way to go. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right, Lois. Every time, sometimes every every now and then, I'll have a call with somebody, uh, an aspiring speaker. They you know, they reach out to me and they want to call. They want to talk on Zoom. When I ask them about what they speak on and and who they speak to, they I I often what who they speak to. I would get that answer. You know, this could work for organizations, corporations. Yes. universities <laughs> it's, like, it's like wow that's a, that's a lot of people and I, i'm like do i tell them <laughs> but i'm thinking to myself well if this person's just meeting me would they even believe me if i told them they need to target uh, a market as opposed to trying to speak to everybody maybe i should just say go go talk to lois kramer she, she well <laughs> no i think that a lot of people and i'll tell you that this is a common um thought for people who are early in their speaking practice because they think if I the wider I cast a net 
the more interested people will be. And it's actually the opposite. What people want now more than ever, and uh, you know, in 2024, there's never been a better time to be a professional speaker than right now. Never been a better time. But at this time, people are looking for people who have expertise in a specific targeted area, and they're willing to pay more for it. People don't want generalists. And that's the message that I would suggest to anyone earlier in their career. Take my word for it. Don't make the mistakes that I did. Uh, people don't want generalists. And um, target marketing, the keys to the kingdom, the sooner you can pick a lane. And let me say this. When I said, when I spoke on sales, financial services is, is what I look for. However, anybody who found me was a fit for my message. If I was free that day and they had money and I felt like I was a good fit for them, I'm there. But this just meant for, as for the time that I was going to spend doing outbound marketing, I was going to stay in my lane. And every time I got a new testimonial from a financial service firm, from a mortgage house, from a bank, from a credit union, from an insurance company, the next credit union, bank, insurance company, and mortgage house was more interested in hiring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, when it comes down to it, I think, I don't know, I'm not sure if you can be more more direct than that. I mean, you know, when it comes to the the people that tend to listen to this podcast, Lois, they are... They're technical people like me. Maybe they worked as engineers, scientists, that type of thing, technologists. We didn't, we're not necessarily salespeople. That, that wasn't our job, but when we worked in, in, in corporate America. So when it comes to just being able to sell ourselves or sell our, or, you know, our speaking services, how do, you, how do you suggest we go about doing that without being salesy? Um, you know, this is, it, your question is probably the most common question that I get. And I would say the first step is doing something that you modeled at the beginning of your podcast. You gave your positioning statement and Neil knows because we've known each other for a while. This is the reason I started my business was based on my sense that most professional speakers really sucked when asked, what do you do? They would, they would say, I speak on and then give you a topic, which I don't think is a compelling way to position yourself in front of a client. A positioning statement is a concept and outcome statement. Give yours again, Neil. I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. Or he could say, I speak on communication, which, <laughs> is, which is more compelling. Now, I could say I'm a consultant in the speaking industry, or I could say I work with speakers, consultants, and experts who want to book more business, make more money, and monetize their message. So... One of the things that, uh, and and by the way, right, my first job as an entrepreneur, and you know, I didn't realize this until like my 40s, Neil, um, my journey in entrepreneurship started when I was 10, walking dogs after school for people in my neighborhood who worked out of the house all day and needed their dog to go out before they got home from work. I was the youngest of four. And I was making more money than all of my siblings. And uh, then when they would go on vacation in the summer in my neighborhood, because I was little, I didn't drive in my neighborhood and where I could walk, 
I would watch their dogs, keep them in their home and go over to their home several times a day, let them out, brush the dog, sit with them. I even had one dog I read to, Neil, because I love dogs. That's how I, my entrepreneur journey started. My sister was watching, was doing a lot of babysitting and she was constantly complaining about the children she had to watch. And I was constantly loving on the dogs I got to watch. Um, so that's how I started my, my journey. Um, but I think now I'm trying to remember what your question was. I got lost. <laughs> oh, did, selling, selling. Yeah, yeah. Remembering that um, people who are interested in us really aren't interested in buying a speech. This is kind of an epiphany to a lot of my clients. If they're hiring Neil to come in, they're really not as interested in a speech. What they're interested in are the outcomes that Neil brings with him and helps them with in that speech. They're interested in the transformation that takes place by sitting in his audience. They're interested in what are my people going to be able to do differently when they stand up from their seats and they walk out of the room after experiencing one of Neil's programs. That's what they're interested in. They're interested in outcomes. So my clients position themselves by concept and outcome of working with them, a positioning statement, but also selling by outcome. What are the things that they are going to learn in a program? What do you have? What kind of information do you have to impart? And speak about them in outcomes. It becomes almost aspirational then to the buyer. They start to see themselves in these outcomes. And my clients actually, when they're selling, use uh, action words, verbs, to describe what it is that they do. Uh, and, you know, might say, for example, your people will be able to um, use um, powerful communication skills to network more effectively, close more sales by, blah, 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 develop, leverage, understand, learn. They all begin with action words. Think about the action actionable outcomes you deliver that's the sales language you should be using okay yeah that makes that makes that makes sense so lois when it comes to people who are who, who, who want to go about becoming a paid speaker but as as i'm sure you know or recognize the business will come when it comes you could do all the, the prospecting and outreach that you want but you're not going to get a customer until that customer says, all right, I'm willing, I'm ready to bring you in to, to my organization, but the bills don't stop. <laughs> Your bills don't stop regardless. So I suppose there are people out there who have jobs, but they wanted to, to get into to paid speaking. How do you suggest someone with a full-time job get into paid speaking? You know, great question, Neil. I remember years ago when I started my business, I heard lots of professional speakers telling people newer in the business. They used, they used to say this, and it used to just kill me, Neil, kill me. They would say, look, if you want to be a speaker, you need to quit what you're doing. You need to get out there and start looking. You need to start speaking. And I would be the run running behind saying, please don't quit your day job until, until you really have a great speech. You know it's highly marketable. You have some clients. A great way to start speaking is work on everything that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, the speech, your presentation skills, where you think your speech could have a great effect, target market. Then use vacation days 
uh, use uh, holidays, use weekends, use time off to give the speeches. And when your day job starts interfering with speeches that you've been able to put on your calendar, that's when you can think about leaving your day job. But this this is a tough business. I, you know, it, it, one of the things I always say to somebody uh, who is interested because people come up to us and I know this has happened to you, Neil, after you present and they say, oh my God, I'd love to be a speaker. I would just, you get paid that much just for that. And they have no idea what went into the work that went into getting this opportunity to be on this platform for an hour. They have no idea. Because if they did, they probably wouldn't be interested, quite frankly. Um, so I say you keep making a living, put money away so you have a cushion. And you have to realize that the we only get paid when we work. There, there is no there is no paycheck arriving weekly in my bank account. Uh, I get paid when I work. And I work like hell to make sure that that continues to happen. Um, it's it's one of the reasons why I think, Neil, I've seen in my 25 years in this business, how much businesses transition from just speaking to really monetizing that message and putting your intellectual property, packaging it in a number of ways to put it in the marketplace, like through writing, through courses, through webinars, um, uh, all different ways. Uh, people like to learn in different ways. Zoom has uh, been incredible for this industry, as terrible as COVID was. One of the things that came out of it for professional speakers and business is Zoom. During COVID, I spoke on every, con every continent to professional speakers associations in every continent through the Global Spe Speaking Federation from where I'm talking right now. Now, sometimes I had a fancy green screen and better lighting in front of me than I do right now. But it's amazing who we can reach now and how we can reach them. This is only uh, added to different ways we can serve our clients. And what we know is people like to learn in different ways. Speaking may just be one of them. So how can we reinforce the learning? And after somebody has written you a check to do a speech, how can we take a next step with them to make more money and to make sure that they are actually applying the things that we talked about and creating the kind of change that they had in their mind when they hired us? You know, Lois, when you were when you were speaking, it made me think about the 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 the, the technical person who who wants to become a speaker, and perhaps you know they haven't. They don't know any. They don't know how to, to how to proceed. Obviously, this episode hasn't come out yet, so they can't even refer to this. So they they perhaps they they see something online, you know, a, a program that will charge you. You know, it won't it won't be free. It won't be free. It'll, yeah. it'll be a pretty penny. But there's a yeah. number of programs out there that 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 say that'll help you become a paid speaker. What do yes. you think of such programs? Well, um. You know, th this is a hard question for me to answer, quite frankly, because this is how I make my living. So I don't want this to sound like sour grapes, but at this point in my career, if it does, it does. I'll risk it. Um, I wrote uh, a post. It's on, on bookmorebusiness.com right now in my blog, uh, because every year, typically at the beginning of the year, 
we are inundated with advertisements, become a paid speaker, make six, seven, eight figures speaking. Now, anybody who says make six, seven, eight figures speaking, I'll help you do that uh, in the next 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is, run away like hell, run. Um, people who say they can help you make millions mostly are not even making millions themselves. I hate to shock you. But I will also say this, the onus is on us to do due diligence. And so make sure that you are, are really in, in investigating who you're working with. Anyone you wanna work with should be willing to give you references, should be willing for you to do any online searches, answer any questions that uh, they wanna ask. And, um, you know, I also have a blog post uh, that I wrote a number of years ago um, about people who claim to help you make millions. Um, and the name of that blog post, it's a chapter in my book, is I'm a multi-thousandaire, are you? <laughs> That's what I am. I'm a multi-thousandaire, proudly a multi-thousandaire. Um, I just think that a lot of these big promises are um, empty promises. And it's up to us to do due diligence. Um, and for example, I have free discovery calls with people, 20 minute discovery calls with people to see if we're a fit, if they're ready to work with me, because to be ready to work with me, I don't help you decide your expertise. I don't write speeches. Uh, I don't do presentation skills. You have to have all of those things ready to work with me. Then I help you monetize that. Um, so sometimes people need a, need a referral to get to where they want to work with me or to get a speech. How do I develop a speech? How do I do this? Um, there are all kinds of steps to do this. Um, there are some people who claim they can do it all. They'll help you decide on your speech. They'll help you write it. They'll help you with your presentation skills. I'm cautious with people who say they can do everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I certainly see that. And, and I've, I've also seen the various programs. They don't necessarily promise that you'll be a six-figure speaker or, or not six-figure, like a millionaire speaker, but that they'll just help you with the, you know, developing developing your your, your signature talk. And then they may help you in developing strategies and, and how to actually monetize your, your speaking. But so I, I've never done such a program. I've kind of a lot of what I figured out has been on my own and just from doing my own research. But if someone were to invest in a program like the one I just described, what would be a reasonable amount to pay for something like that? You know, it's hard for me to say, and I'm I'm not going to give you a specific number because I, I can't. I can tell you to work with me, you can spend from, uh, I have a two hour minimum to, to work with anybody. It's just slightly under a thousand dollars for two hours with me. Uh, to uh, $12,000 or more. Uh, it depends upon what kind of a program you want, how quickly you want to get up and started. I've got 30, 60, 90 day, two day programs that have 30, 60 or 90 days on the back end. All of this is on bookmorebusiness.com, by the way. If you click on my service page there, I tell you exactly what I do, how I do it and what I charge. I have a very niche business. Um, but I, I am amazed at what some people pay. Uh, and now I only do a small part of this, so I'm not one of those one-stop shops by any means, 
but you just want to make sure that you're going to get your money's worth. And it is incumbent upon us to do the homework. I always say, make sure you are talking to people who have been through the program. And, you know, you heard me say that when somebody asks me what I do, I say, I work with speakers who want to book more business, make more money and monetize their message. When somebody asks me for a reference, I say, call anybody on my client list and say, did you book more business, make more money and monetize your message by working with her? That's the bottom line. Did we do what we say we did? And then compare it. Are my fees comparable with somebody else who has my experience, my background, my client list? And, uh, you know, as I said, Toastmasters, I think, is a missed opportunity for people early on. I also think people who are serious about speaking should look at the National Speakers Association. It's my home trade association. Um, I have been a member for 25 years. Um, I do a lot with NSA, with new speakers. Um, I uh, A lot I don't get paid for, by the way, uh, because I believe in this industry. This is a tough business to be in. It's a tough business to be in. It's a great business. And I've been blessed for 25 years to be in it. Um, but, uh, you know, so I think hang around people who are doing what you want to do, uh, who are successful at doing what you want to do. Uh, but realize that nothing is easy. If I pay uh, $20,000, it doesn't guarantee me that if I pay $20,000 and have somebody write a great speech, it doesn't guarantee that I can present it well and that I can sell it. Yeah. You know, you know, what you were just saying leads really nicely to what the next question I want to ask you, Lois, and it has to do with with developing relationships with people who are doing what you want to do that so they're further along the, the path that you are. But I find that in a lot of those cases, if you're the aspiring person, there's a whole lot that you can benefit from that from that person. But what does that person get from you? So well, I'm kind of curious, what are your ideas on developing those type of relationships so that they're not just one-sided? Well, you know, um, I just gave some time to um, someone who is in my local chapter of NSA. And that person said something uh, that I loved hearing at the end of the call. This was helpful to me. How can I help you? open-ended question. And I said, well, if you feel so moved, uh, if you read my book and you like it, leave me a review on Amazon. If you liked what I had to say, put something out on social media that you thought that uh, my information was meaningful. Um, give me some love out there. Now, there are so many ways that we can be helpful to people uh, on social media. Writing a LinkedIn recommendation a LinkedIn testimonial, incredibly helpful to people. And that doesn't take a lot of heavy lifting to do. So always be thinking, uh, you know, I am always happy to take, but I also want to make sure that I'm giving. And I always want to feel in my life, this has been, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. In order to complain, for example, about service at a restaurant, I have to have three places that I've complimented people on great service and what they've done for me. I have a three to one ratio in my life, if you can believe this or not. I have to give three compliments for every time I want to complain about someone. And this is kind of the way I've run my business. 
uh, I think that we always want to seek. You can never overgive. A lot of people, um, you know, I, I give uh, free presentations to National Speakers Association chapters. They bring me in. They have to pay my expenses if I'm going in in person, and they have to treat me like a coin meal. And uh, but why would I do that? Because I'm standing in front of my target market for a period of time. For over 20 years, this has been my marketing plan. My number one marketing plan is being in front of my target market and giving great value. Because my sense has been that if they like what I have to say and the way I say it, quite frankly, uh, when they need help in their business, I think my door is the door they're going to knock on. Whether I'm going to be a perfect fit for what they want to accomplish, I don't know. But I think that they're going to think about me. Now, this has been a good plan for me. It's worked well for me for 20 years. And I enjoy doing it. And whether it's it, not everybody in the room certainly is going to hire me at all. Tonight, when I speak for LA, everybody's not going to hire me. There will be a few people who will hire me. And um, at this point in my business, I'm not working as hard as I used to. Um, and this is my chief way of marketing now is through writing and through speaking. And that's what brings clients into me. It's not unlike the webinars that you're doing in your target market to attract people. Because what they're thinking is, if I like this guy, if I feel I can relate to him, he's the one I'd like to work with on this. This is the guy we need to work with on this. Uh, it's a great way to get business. Um, but I do think hanging around people who are doing what you want to do. Um, my friend, um, Tom Singer, uh, always says success leaves clues. Hang around successful people. And I've spent over 20 years doing that. And I have gained so much knowledge from hanging around successful people. And I think that we all can. Uh, it's one of the things I suggest, get involved with Toastmasters, National Speakers Association. Get involved with these people who are doing this, what you wanna do. And you'll find in energy, uh, you will find help, people who want to help you or are willing to help you. And they will also can give you some great resources to people who they might've worked with, who are worth your money, who are trustworthy. Uh, and uh, I just think it's the best way to go. It's a relationship driven business. It's a relationship-driven life that we live. Uh, so leverage those relationships to get where you need to go. Yeah. I'm, you know, this is more of a selfish, this next question is more of a selfish one because it, it, it's it's definitely a me, a me question. It applies to me specifically. But oftentimes when people ask me, you know, how can I help you? I struggle to answer such a question because I'm always, I'm always wary about asking for something that the other person deems unreasonable. So do you ever... I guess what I guess suppose the question would be how would you I guess go go about asking for something that is a reasonable ask? Well, I think it's that's a situational thing. I think that's a situational thing. Um, if I have um, if I have spent a, a twenty minute discovery call with you and you ask how can I help you? I might ask for a social media shout out. I think that that's something that, that is fair. I'm not going to say, well, 
I'd like you to make 10 calls on my behalf to people who you think may be interested. In. I mean, I'm going to ask for a social media shout out, a tweet, something on LinkedIn, a recommendation. Um, if uh, I've if I've come in to your chamber of commerce and spoken for free, I'm going to ask, I'd like your attendee list with their email addresses and your permission to send them an email with a resource in it at first. And then the, my second email will be asking, offering my services. So what is, where is their balance, I think, is what we need to, to look for, Neil. Okay. And, and people are willing to offer up the attendee list with, the, with contact info? Listen. They are. They were good at doing it. Then came all the concerns about privacy. Now, what my clients do is say, this is what I would like. I would like an attendee list. Um, I promise that I am going to send them a white paper, a report, a blog post specifically that gives them more information, for example, than I was able to deliver in my speech. I will not be asking for anything. I'm not going to say, I want you to buy my course. So I want you to buy my book. This is just a total give. I want to give them information. The second email, and they can always opt out, of course. This is permission-based marketing we're looking at. The second email, I'm going to give them even more information, but I'm going to have an ask on it. It might be, if you like uh, what I've had to say, you might be interested in buying my book. You might be interested in uh, looking at this course. Um, so uh, I'm a believer in asking for what you want. It, Neil, you have heard me say, because we've known each other for quite a while, you risk a yes every time you ask for something. Are you willing to take the risk? So I believe in asking, if I'm speaking in front of a target market, I would like to be able to walk out of there with their email addresses so they can, uh, so they can for example, read my blog posts. If people who go to bookmorebusiness.com and sign up for my blogs, you get a free ebook, Quick Start Guide to, to uh, Making Money Speaking. Um, I do that. I'm giving you something in exchange for that email address. I'm also going to send you blog posts that have lots of value. And everyone at the end of one, every one of those blog posts, I'm going to mention that this is what I do for a living. And if you need help, please reach out. Uh, reach out to me. So I think that that your ask needs to be conditional uh, on the situation. Yeah, but I, mean, I think that you need to ask boldly. And I think that a lot of us um, can be too hesitant because of something that you mentioned early. We don't want to act like we're overly selling or pushy. If I believe what I have is a value, that's not being overly salesy. It's just letting them know this is what I do. And, you know, I always say that I've been in sales all my life, even walking those dogs. I, I used to go to my neighbors and say, if you'd like your dog let out after school and walked, I could do. Here's here's what I would say to you, Neil, if, if we met. Neil, if it would ever make sense to work with me to help grow your speaking practice, I hope you'll reach out. Now, that is quite different than saying, Neil, what would it take to put you in this car today? <laughs> that's probably why i've never bought a car on a used car lot all of my cars have been private private sales <laughs> i mean seriously who likes that nobody likes that so and and the other reason that i would never do it it doesn't work it doesn't work so just asking somebody at some point 
you know, if you ever think that I could fit into your plans and help you get where you want to go, I hope you'll remember me. There you go. There you go. People like to work with people who are not pushy. And pushy sales doesn't work in a personal services business like speaking. Um, relational selling does. And the good news is, you know, I say I can make anybody comfortable selling because this is the style that I have used. And I worked for a Fortune 10 corporation right out of college in sales and marketing. And this is the way, this is what I used uh, back then. And it's it's the only way to do it. it. It works. You feel good about it. People feel good about reaching out to you. And, um, and realize going in, I realize every day, Neil, I'm going to talk to people who I'm not going to be a fit to today. And that's fine. I'm not a fit for everybody. I don't want to be a fit for everybody. I'd be too busy. I'm too old to be a fit for everybody. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fit for everybody, are you really a fit for anybody? <laughs> Ultimately, when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah. you know you know lois i'm i'm thinking about right now when we're recording this there are a lot of people in the tech industry that are being laid off from their jobs so they're, they're trying to figure out what's going to be next for them and it could possibly be you know finding that next job or maybe if they had aspirations to become a speaker a paid speaker maybe this is the time to do it what what would you be your advice on on how they should proceed should they, should it be let me go full force on becoming a, a speaker or or should it be on on getting a job well, you know, I think it depends upon what your personal situation is, Neil. Uh, if you're losing your job, um, I'm not sure that the best idea is to say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start being an entrepreneur. If I've got bills coming in, if I've got a mortgage coming in and I don't have business on the books as an entrepreneur, uh, I might lose my home. I'm not willing to do that. Uh, so you have to do whatever fit, whatever will keep your head above water. So, but but also I, I think that it may be a time to explore what is it that I'd really love to do. You know, and Neil, this is something I tell people all the time. What is it that that I'd really love to do? You and I are both very fortunate. We run our own business. Um, I have always said the minute this stops being fun for me, I'm going to do something else because I'm in this to make a living, but I'm also in this to have joy along the way. And when this ceases to be joyful, I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, and I always, even when I started, first started my business, first started thinking, I wonder if, if I could start a consultancy for professional speakers, uh, whether there would even be enough business in it. It's such a niche business. And I thought to myself, I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to go work for somebody else because I've done that over the years very well. And I can always opt to do that. But, you know, I will also tell you that when I did this, I was married. I had a husband who was working. I remember sitting down with him, Neil, and saying, look, I've got this crazy idea. At the time I was working, running the business of a professional speaker here in St. Louis. And I said, I've got this crazy idea of starting a consultancy. What do you think? And he said to me, I think you ought to try it if this is what you want to do. And Neil, what I said to him was, if you sat me down and said, Lois, I'm going to quit my corporate job. I, I just think I want to start this. What do you think? I would say, I think you're nuts. That's what I would say. I think you're out of your mind. 
But he was so incredibly supportive. And I said, if I'm not making money within a year, and I put some money away from my job, if I'm not making money within a year, I'll go work for somebody else. Because I still had a very young daughter at the time. And I needed to build up college. I had stayed home a number of years caring for her. And um, uh, so I said, I'll just go work for somebody else if it doesn't work out. But I'm going to give myself time to see if I can get traction. And I was very fortunate. I got traction early on. Um, but I do think you need to think seriously about what you want to do. How can I get experience? And how can I be prepared? Like we were saying earlier, how can I decide on my expertise? Write a speech. Try the speech out develop stories, develop presentation skills, um, do some market intelligence on who hires people like I do. You can do all of this before setting up a shingle saying, this is what I'm doing. And so the time to do it is when you have money coming in. That's when to do it. Okay, gotcha. You know, we, another question I would have about, about this all is the idea of bringing in that money that you could live on. Let's just say you we follow all the all the advice that Lois Kramer would offer in terms of becoming a, a, a paid speaker. How long should someone reasonably expect it to take for them to become become that speaker who's able to make a make a living off of it? Well, it's hard to say because quite frankly, it depends upon how much time you can invest in that pursuit. Um Looking, selling speaking services. I always tell people, Neil, when you start, decide, okay, I'm going to develop a speaking practice. I'm going to go out. I'm going to speak for chambers. I'm going to get testimonials. I'm going to start asking for money for what I do. This takes a little while to do. And it all depends upon how good I am at selling and how much time I have to reach out. When you start a business, when I started, I spent 99% of my time selling and 1% of my time on a platform. Then as time went on, it got to be 80% of my time selling, 20% on the platform, then 50-50. Then it changes. It should change as you get experience. And as you, as you get out there and you get spinoff business and people in the audience, you get referrals and uh, things like that. So, but it can take, um, it can be a slow boat. You can accelerate that by doing your homework beforehand and getting good at selling. And, uh, and I think making some key decisions, some foundational issues, uh, foundational decisions rather early in your business, like what market could I gain traction in, uh, make the kind of money that I want to make. You know, and I, I will share with you too. I have to share because I have this conversation with somebody. We're coming up on tax time. Um, when I started my business, uh, I forgot. I just made air quotes, folks, for people who are just listening to the audio. I forgot that Social Security wasn't being taken out of every check I got from a client. And I had a big tax bill my first year. Now, that was a surprise. Shame on me. It was never a surprise after that. Never a surprise after that. These are things we learn in entrepreneurship. These are one of the things why I was so glad that I attached myself to a National Speakers Association chapter early in my business because I found out that running a business and doing a business can be two different things. 
And you've got to, you know, you've got to really be um, really good at what you're doing. And at the beginning of your business, the best use of my time at the beginning of my business was doing every damn thing that needed to be done. And over the years, I have outsourced certain things. I've outsourced things like bookkeeping, uh, my taxes. I have outsourced some graphic arts. I have outsourced just a lot of different things. Um, outsourced my web uh, work, upkeep on my website, things like that. But when I first started, I did everything myself because I couldn't afford to outsource anything. But as you transition in business, you've got to constantly be assessing what's the best use of my time. What is it that I don't want to do? What is it that I don't do well? These are really important questions. And by the way, what I what I learned very quickly, what I didn't do well, accounting. Now, I'm not stupid. I could learn it. I had no desire to. So I, I, I before I was really making much money at all, I hired a bookkeeper because I just didn't want to do it. And I wanted to feel confident that I never got myself in the position I did my first year. When it came tax time, that I, you know, it was hard to take a deep breath. Uh, so th these are things that, um, you know, that we learn, but when you hang around people who are doing what you want, wh what you want to do, you learn a lot of these things, the easier way and not the hard way. This has been a great conversation, Lois. I'm sure that the people who are listening or watching it are going to gain something that's, that that's useful to them. I, I'm, I'm so sure of that. So thank you so much for being a guest. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, Neil, they can reach out to me on my website at bookmorebusiness.com. You can find out everything you want to know there. You can email me, Lois, at bookmorebusiness.com. Uh, certainly reach out to me if I can help you. Sign up for my blog. And, uh, you know, I just want to say to your listeners, I have so looked forward to talking with you, Neil. You're one of my favorite people. We've known each other for quite a, a number of years now. I love your business. I love the way you position your business. And it's been an honor being with you today, my friend. Thank you so much, Lois. Well, everyone, that marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek Interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. And you can learn more about that at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Lois. Well, everyone, that marks another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and want to support Teach the Geek, please subscribe, share, and like on any of your favorite podcast platforms. We're on all of them. Also, if you prefer to watch the episodes, head on over to the YouTube channel at youtube.teachthegeek.com. Until next time.